Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Now, after my message this morning, we're also going to be sharing communion together, so make sure you get your hearts ready for that one. And uh, we've got someone who's um, going to be presenting it to us. I'm really looking forward to that person sharing. But on to my message for this morning. And obviously, we're all aware that we've just had New Year's um, and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and all that kind of stuff. And so quite often, people will naturally be thinking about, you know, look, what's new for me? What's happening um, for me in the year ahead? Um, And it's a great time to just be refocusing and, and just be thinking about those things rather than just, you know, going throughout the whole year and just having things happen as and when they do. But part of that then is when you're thinking about what am I going to be doing, then choices are the next thing that would come to mind, I would assume. The choices about do I make any changes in direction this year? Do I, you know, do anything in particular that perhaps I've not been doing before? But what I can tell you is that as much as we can be focused on what's happening this year or, you know, next week, next month, the whole year, for example, and we're talking therefore about things like tomorrow, well, before you get to tomorrow, there's today. So today, in actual fact, is probably more important than tomorrow. But because I know we are future-oriented, then I get that. And so I'm going to be talking about both of those aspects in my message this morning. So the title here is called Tomorrow and Today. Now I'm going to be taking a bit of a deep dive into the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. And I'm just going to be unpacking some of those verses and pulling out some different aspects that relate to this themed message that I'd like to talk to today. Now, if you're taking notes, um, obviously you would, uh, you'd be aware God's into numbers sometimes. He wrote a whole book of them, in actual fact. But uh, we've got the 12 apostles. There were the 12 tribes of Israel. And so in that spirit, I've got 12 points for you today. Now, if you do the math, how long is each point going to be? Well, let me assure you, you'll be home by dinner time tonight. <laughs> but probably a little bit before that. And of course, there's hard copy notes that are available. We do these every single week up for you. So we love, we know that some people love to do pen and paper notes. And so they're always available every week. And so if you didn't know that and you haven't got a copy and we've still got some left over, wave your hand around like you are waving your hand around. And uh, then our wonderful host teams will get those to you straight away. But let's get into my 12 points then so that we're not here until dinner time. Point number one, God wants our attention really shouldn't be any surprise to us but of course he does so let's kick it off with Joshua chapter 1 and verses 1 to 2 which says after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua son of Nun Moses aid Moses my servant is dead don't you love the compassion just there it's counseling right there now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you to the Israelites So God declares the obvious, that Moses is dead, and he confirms that Joshua is to act. But I think one of the reasons that he does that is to confirm to Joshua, you know, Joshua, it's not next week and next month and maybe in a couple of years' time, because Joshua was lined up. He was chosen by Moses and obviously by God. So there was like an apprenticeship. There was a journey that Moses undertook with Joshua, preparing him for the eventuality of one day he would be leading God's people. So I get it that, okay, well, that's not going to happen until Moses dies. So Moses is now dead. So it will become Joshua's time at some time. 
So I think God was just being very deliberate here and going, you know what, Joshua, you're probably going to be wondering when do I you know, get the tap on the shoulder, as it were. Well, it's right now. That's why God declares and confirms, Moses, my servant, is dead. So there was the condition on what God had for him. The condition had now been met. The mantle was about to be passed. And then he's confirming that he wants Joshua to act now. In our everyday life, basically God's saying, today. Today is the day that I want you to act. So God gets our attention by letting us know the things that we need to know specifically for each of us. He clarifies those things, and then he also gives the direction and the instruction, which is today, now you need to act. Okay, point number two. Assurances and promises. If you know anything about God, anything about the Bible, you know they are all throughout the Bible. And so, again, I'm just going to be showing a couple of those to you. So still in Joshua chapter 1, we'll now move on to verses 6 to 7, which says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Let's move on to verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He tells us what we need to hear. What we need to hear. And I don't know if you noticed in there, in those verses that we just read, there's a strong theme there of be strong and courageous. It's actually mentioned three times. It's in verse 6, it's in verse 7, and it's in verse 9. Three times, be strong and courageous. So when we're talking about God giving us assurances and promises, he assures us uniquely what each of us need to be assured of. So for Joshua, obviously at that particular time, he needed to hear, be strong and courageous. And he needed to hear it three times. I'm wondering what he's speaking to you about. What do you need to be reassured about? What promises do you need to hear or perhaps rehear? Because just like, you know, droplets of rain evaporate very quickly, particularly on a hot summer's day, you know, the encouragement from God can sometimes evaporate. And that's why we're meant to come to him, come to the altar, as we sung a few moments ago. We're meant to come to him on a regular basis to be refilled, to be overflowing, to get those assurances and to remind ourselves about the promises that God has given to us. Let's continue on in Joshua, still in chapter 1. This time we'll move on to verses 10 to 11. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession in the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Then we continue on, verses 16 to 18. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you go, Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, we will put them to death. Only be strong and courageous. So sometimes God will confirm through others what we also need to hear. So the first couple of verses, God was speaking directly to Joshua, saying be strong and courageous. Now he's hearing the same thing from those that are following him. I think God really wanted Joshua to get the message. So when we're trying to be receiving and open and hearing encouragement and reassurance from God, by all means, get it from God. Let him speak to you 
through your work, through the word, through your prayer times, and also allow him to speak through other people that you know and that are trustworthy. Be strong and courageous. Let's go back a few verses, though. We're going to revisit verses 7 and 8. I just want to pull out something uh, a little bit different from there. So again, picking it up from verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So he gives us instruction and he gives us guidance. And in there, the guidance is reading his word, meditating on it day and night so that it gives us direction specifically to the left or to the right. And I love how God was very particular about that because we know that when we need direction, if you're just going straight, that's fantastic. But if our path is not to be straight, if we are to turn to the left, or to the right. We need to know about that. And so God was giving further clarity. Hey, Joshua, I'm going to give you the exact instructions that you need at the right time and the right place. And just like he did it for Joshua, he will do it for each of us also. Let's continue on, revisiting verse 8, and then we'll continue on to verse 9. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God is promising success. But did you also see in there God emphasizing, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. So for us, what that tells me is that we ought not to be surprised if we feel a little bit unsettled sometimes if we're a little bit antsy sometimes, if we're a little bit unsure, if we're feeling that we are a little bit afraid, if we are feeling at different times we're a little bit discouraged, why do you think God said that to Joshua? It wasn't a chastising him. It wasn't telling him off. I mean, he was encouraging him, saying, don't be afraid. He didn't say you shouldn't feel afraid. He didn't say you should not feel discouraged. He's encouraging Joshua to not stay in that place of being discouraged and to not stay in that place of being afraid. So that's what God wants for us as well. He understands. He's given us emotions. He knows we will experience some of those things. But he doesn't want us to stay there. So let's not stay there. He's always preparing a way for us to do. And you know what? This message, obviously the title, as I said, it's tomorrow and today. So when it comes to discouragement, when it comes to perhaps being afraid, today, why don't you make the choice to hand those things over to God? Because today he doesn't want you to have those things. And therefore, when you allow those things to fall away, then you won't bring them into tomorrow. And all the stuff that you leave behind, there's less baggage that takes you into tomorrow, then you've got a better tomorrow. But it all starts with today. I hope, you, I hope you're getting the, the idea of this message. Our today is incredibly powerful. Tomorrow has potential. But based on what we do today, it's how much of that potential becomes activated tomorrow because of our todays. Okay, point number three. Stop holding me up too much. The impossible becomes possible. So back to verse number two again. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Crossing a river. There weren't bridges here. There wasn't a cable car or anything like that. It was a big river. Yet God's instruction is 
get ready to cross the river. He's asking us to do the impossible. I wonder what the impossible things are that you think he's asking you to do. And notice I use the word think. You might think it's impossible. But here's the promise. If God has asked you to do it, then it is going to be possible. Perhaps not yet, and maybe not in your mind yet. But if he's asked you to do anything, then it will be possible. Why would he ask you to do something that is not possible? Now, we're going to jump ahead to the end of this story because we've said, you know, God said to Joshua, cross the river Jordan. So we're going to jump ahead for a little bit. This is Joshua chapter 3 and verse 8. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. You may think that the next step that he tells you is going to be impossible. And I'd imagine the priests probably thought that as well. They're going, Joshua, you know the river, it's pretty big. It's flowing, it's flood season, it's pretty full on. And you want us to go and stand in the river. Yes, priests, that's what I want you to actually do. Let's continue on and see what happens then through their obedience and their trust in God. Joshua 3, verses 13 to 16. As soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. Now, previously, when Joshua told the priests, go and stand in the, in the river, my thought would have been, how far? Do I, you know, ankle height, knee height, chest height, over my head? How far do I actually need to go? So you can understand the fear and the trepidation. There wasn't the clarity. It was just a case of, this is what you need to actually do. But I'm so grateful for all of our sakes, we get to read this story. And we saw that the priests were obedient. And we see as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, so they didn't get as far as actually getting into the river as such, as soon as their, water, their feet touched the water's edge, then the miracle of God happened. The promise of God happened. And at that point, and you know, think about the Red Sea, which happened prior to this instance. God's pretty good at dealing with water, I found. And so as soon as their feet touched, the impossible became possible he makes a way so whatever he is directing you to do trust him if it's him directing you then he will make a way point four action time versus rest time so we're going to resume our journey back to joshua so we're jumping back to chapter one but now we're up to verses 12 to 15 But to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by living in this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land, the Lord your God is giving that, giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. 
Notice this rest in there. Rest for some people, not others, but the others, they still ended up having rest as well. So for each of us, what that means is there will be different times in our lives when there's things for us to do. A time to do and to fight and to take possession. But for some, a time for rest. Now I know many of you in this church, we're pretty much a high achieving church here at Metro. I know for many of us, rest is a pretty much a hard thing. We almost consider it a dirty word. But you know, rest is mandated. Jesus rested. So we need to as well. And for those of us, myself included, where rest can be a struggle, just know that God has created us and we need to rest. You know, even God rested after he created everything. So I think he's setting a precedent here. So we're not breaking any rules. God actually wants us to rest at different times. We just need to be open to God and be listening to him and going, okay, God, when's the time that you'd actually like me to rest? And, you know, doing nothing is just as effective as doing something. Therefore, doing nothing is actually doing something. It's the nothing before the something that actually flows. So if you need a rest, have a rest. Have a cake, have a bicky, have a cup of tea, whatever floats your boat. Okay, point number five, obedience despite uncertainty. We'll continue on with Joshua, still on chapter 1, this time verse 16. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Don't you love these guys? They're the people you want to serve on with your, with your volunteering team, hey? And just to plug there, any team that you join here at Metro Church, if you serve and volunteer, that's the spirit that you are going to encounter. Whatever we need to do for the kingdom, we will actually do that. And so if you're not currently serving in this church and this is your church home, we'd love you to um, be a part of that. So speak to anyone else that's currently serving and they'll help you. Whatever you have commanded, we will do. Whatever, wherever you send us, we will go. I'm wondering whether we place boundaries or conditions on what we will do for God. Maybe we'll do this, but only a certain amount. Maybe we'll do that to those people, but not to those people over there. Maybe I'll get involved at this level, but not that level. When I'm not too tired, if I've got enough money. It's so easy for us to place those boundaries. But I love there was no hesitation for these people. They're saying, Joshua, whatever you want us to do, we will do it. Conditions and boundaries, they're just going to constrain us. It's just going to put a limitation on what God wants us to do. Having obedience, even if we don't understand it, is sometimes a good thing. You know, we teach our children when they're crossing the road, look to the right, look to the left, look to the right again. We drum it into our kids. I'm so glad. I'm here today because my parents drummed it into me. Because I'm sure if they didn't, some car would have collected me a long time ago. Or, you know, that's that saying, hit by a bus. So that bus, whichever one it is, the one that keeps killing people, so look out for that one. But um, obviously that bus didn't catch up with me. So obedience sometimes, we just need to be obedient with wisdom, of course, even if we don't necessarily understand it, because we are children of God, aren't we? So we know that when we are obedient to him, we can trust him. So, you know, getting back to the children that, you know, we teach them to look both sides of the road, even as adults, you know, that's actually quite an important skill to have, not just in our everyday life. Uh, but I went to America several years ago, and most of us probably know that in America they drive on a different side of the road than we do. Now, other than if you were going to drive yourself, you need to make sure that you drive on the correct side of the road over there, steering wheels on the different side of the car. But it's actually even more 
dangerous as a pedestrian. Because when you go to cross a road where there is traffic, in Australia, you're used to the traffic coming from this side, your right side. So you look to the right, look to the left, look to the right again. But in America, if you are not conscious of that, they're actually coming from that side, from your left-hand side, not from the right-hand side. Now, I was very conscious of this in America, so I didn't have any accidents. But a few years prior to that, I was in Dubai, and I didn't know what side of the road they'd drive in. Turns out, same side as America. I was not expecting it, and I almost got cleaned up. So obedience, even if you don't understand, exercise godly wisdom, use that obedience, it could save your life. Verse 6, expect the unnatural from a supernatural God. Now we're moving on to Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies into that place. I don't want to pronounce it wrong, so that place. Uh, Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, this is Joshua doing the preparation work. He's investigating, he's doing some research, um, and he's getting all that information together before he goes in there and takes possession of the land. Now, if nothing is necessary after the reconnaissance trip, that's fine. But he's doing his, what we call in the business world, he's doing his due diligence. He's checking things out and just seeing what the lay of the land actually is. He's making considerations for it. So verse 2 says, So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. That's a kind of an unlikely place to go, don't you think? But you know what? I think there was probably some wisdom in there. Because if you were going into the enemy's territory, you would imagine that's probably the last place they'd expect to find spies. Okay, Maybe other people doing other things, but they wouldn't probably be expecting spies to actually be in that location. So when it comes to God giving us some instructions and some directions and trusting him, expect the unnatural from a supernatural God. Now, continuing with that story, here's my next point here, point number seven. Acknowledge and bless those who help you. And as we go back to Rahab, we'll see where this should be in place. This is uh, Joshua chapter 2 and now verses 12 to 13. So this is now uh, Rahab who's speaking to the spies that are there. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. What she's saying is, remember me. I've done what you've asked me to do. I've helped you in the Lord's work. Don't forget about me. So for all of us, let us not forget those who have helped us, even in the smallest way. Say say thank you to them. You can thank them again. You can remind them, hey, remember you did that thing six months ago? Thank you so much about that. You might think, but I already thanked them. Can you ever thank anyone too much? Does anyone ever get sick of receiving thanks from other people? Who is that person? I'm going to pray for you right now. So it doesn't cause any harm, does it, to be thankful and to be thankful again and again and again. So acknowledge those and bless those who have helped you. And as my message title says, when do you think we should do that? Today. Not tomorrow. Do it today. So many times we'll think, oh, I must do that tomorrow. You know what I've been really convicted on lately is that 
if something has come to my mind, then it's come to my mind today. Obvious, isn't it? But if it's come to my mind today, then surely it means that I need to maybe do something about that today. Unless if God wanted me to do something tomorrow, then why would he remind me about it today? He would speak to me tomorrow about the thing that he wants me to do tomorrow. But if he's placed something on my heart today, then chances are today is the day that I need to do something like that. As I've been saying, our tomorrows are built on what we actually do today. And if there are things that we're meant to do today and we don't do them, then the tomorrow that could have been probably won't have been and won't be. Let's move on to point number eight. Watch your language. Sure, I'm referring to swearing. If you're a Christian, don't do that. But I'm more talking about the spirit of your language. And we get to see this here again in Joshua chapter 2. This time, verse 24. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us because of us. The interesting thing about reading this scripture at this point, the Israelites have not yet advanced on Jericho. The spies have only just recently returned from that scouting trip, from their research trip. But notice how they talk. Notice their language. They haven't got it, but they speak as if they have. That's vision talking. That's faith talking. That's speaking into today what could be for tomorrow. So watch your language. Make sure that you have a language of today. And it starts with, yes, Lord. It's either, yes, Lord, I will do that, or sometimes it can be, yes, Lord, I believe, and I trust in you. There are things that I'm praying for and believing for that are ahead for me, but I'm thanking him for them today. Because you know what I've come to realise? If God has shown me things that he wants me to be stepping into down the track, why is he doing that? Why wouldn't he wait until then? The fact that he's showing me now means that there must be something for me to do now, today. Even if it's just declare that and receive it and declare it as a, as a promise and take that reassurance. Okay, verse 9. What you see versus what others see. There can be a, a bit of a disparity, a difference between what you see and what others see. So we continue on to Joshua chapter 3, and we're now going to be looking at verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Now again, nothing yet has happened. Yet listen to the language of God. Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. And we know that God spoke to Joshua. So Joshua heard this. And we know that Joshua was a man of faith. And so therefore he obviously took this on board as well. So God may tell you things before others. You may understand things before others. And of course, why not? If it's something that he wants you to do, then he's speaking to you about it. He's not going to speak to me about something that he wants you to do. He's going to speak to you about it, more than likely. So understand that you will see things, you will hear things before other people do. And so therefore, if you feel to, um, to share some of those things, if they don't get it, that's okay. They might not be meant to get it. You're meant to get it, 
but maybe not them. So don't be discouraged if you share things and people aren't as excited or as passionate about what you are passionate about. That's the reason why God has chosen you in the first place. So by all means, share all those things, but don't worry about it if people aren't on the same page as you. They probably don't need to be, but you need to be on your own page. And again, God may tell you things today that perhaps others don't see or yet hear. Okay, that's point nine. We're almost there. So as I do a wrap-up, so creative team, thank you if you could uh, get ready to make your way back. That'd be fantastic. So there's thinking, point number 10, there's thinking versus doing. Again, we're just going to revisit Joshua chapter 3 and verses 15 to 16. Yet as soon, you remember this, we read it before. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. So remember, we read that before. As soon as their feet touched the water. Taking your next step is not the same as thinking about taking the next step. You can think all you want. You can ponder, you can dream, you can stare at your navel. That's all thinking. Huge difference between thinking versus doing. Looking and hoping for something is not the same as doing. You need to take the step. I mentioned the whole bit of a water thing before, so we've seen God part in the Red Sea. Uh, we read here that um, now the River Jordan has been dried up. And if you remember Peter, he, st- he walked on water. But what preceded him walking on water? The thinking, of course, but then he had to actually do after the thinking. He needed to step out of the boat and get into the water before he got to walk on the water. So it's got to move from thinking to actually doing. So I'm wondering, what are you thinking about today? And what are you going to be doing today? I hope by the time your head hits the pillow tonight that you've done more doing than thinking Point 11, godly reminders. As we progress through, we're now up to Joshua chapter 4. I'm going to be looking at verses 2 to 3. Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. And just in case that some of the details got lost to you on that one, they're saying, go out to the middle of the river, this river that I have just stopped, where the water is piled up way down beyond what you can't see. And so now they're on dry ground. I think it's quite interesting that God says, here are these stones. They were only accessible because of the miracle that I did. This is an opportunity that is before you right now, and only right now, only whilst this water is stopped, Can you grab something that I want you to actually grab? It would not be available to you any other time, but it is available to you today, not tomorrow. It's available to you today. As we read on, why are they meant to be doing this? Glad you asked. Verses 6 to 7. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. 
These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. It's good to remind ourselves of God's goodness and his provision. He knows that's important to us. That's why he encourages us to do that. That's why he got the Israelites to do that. Now, my, my in-laws are Jewish, and what I love about the Jewish faith is that there are so many great things that the family does and celebrates in memorial of, in recognition, Passover, so many different things that they do. They don't always have the full understanding of what that means, but the tradition and the ritual and the remembrance absolutely takes place. Now, for us, having relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I hope that it's not ritual for us. I hope it's real and that it's actually living. But God wants us to remember these different things, these significant things that actually happen in and through our lives. Now, I've done a fair bit of travel, um, particularly international travel. And one of the things I love to do is get little trinkets and little souvenirs for the different places that I've been to. And I've got this little rule. If I've been somewhere, I'll get something from there. But if I've not been to that place, I won't get it just because I've found it in a gift shop. So, for example, I've been to the Eiffel Tower in, in Paris and when I did the Eiffel Tower tour, I bought a little Eiffel Tower souvenir at the Eiffel Tower because to me it was more significant than some street-side vendor because at that point I hadn't yet been to the Eiffel Tower. So for me, I got the little Eiffel Tower one from the actual Eiffel Tower that I went in. And I've, and I've got these other trinkets and I've actually got a cabinet uh, in my study. It's a glass front cabinet and I've got little trinkets and things from all over the world. And they're little keepsakes for me. And I remember the travels and the places that I've been to and the things that I've seen. And, and they're all very special. And they're nice. But even more memorable are the things that God has done in and through me over the years and the things that he's spoken to me about. And I do hope that you've got some of those things in your life as well. In my study, which is where I have my quiet time most times, behind the door there, so I, I close the door and that's kind of like my, my prayer closet, but the prayer closet is the whole study, if you get my drift. So behind the door there, I've actually got a baseball bat. It's a titanium baseball bat. And I specifically ordered it. Uh, there was a significant message that God spoke to me uh, many, many years ago now. And it was so significant that I actually bought the titanium bat because there's more meaning that I, I won't get into. But that's a significant thing that reminds me about God's goodness. Here's another little thing that um, I brought to show you today. This is another spiritual reminder to me. This is a little satchel. This has been handmade. I was actually given this when I went on a missions trip to Peru back in 2019. And I was doing ministry, as some of you may know, uh, to people who are trying to come out of abusive situations. And sadly, this is quite a lot, a lot of young girls are in that sort of situation. And so they're young, and so they have to be at home to, to be cared for in, in, in a bad way, but they're still there uh, to receive food and shelter in the family home. And they have to stay there until they can support themselves. So this is one of the things that uh, some, some wonderful ladies, they've started a ministry over in Peru, and they teach young women how to actually make things like this. All that you see here, this has been handmade. This is a plant-based uh, imitation leather. The, uh, the cord that's here, that's been hand-woven and dyed. Um, pretty much anything they didn't make was the zipper, but they put the zippers on here. And so these young girls are taught to make items like this, and then they sell them in the markets. And they end up making enough money so that they can then leave the homes of abuse and set up home by themselves in a safer space. And so this actually hangs up in the wall in my office upstairs to remind me 
of God's goodness, the fact that I got to be a part of a ministry like that, and it reminds me about how God provides the way out for people like those young girls in Peru. So I wonder what spiritual reminders maybe you need to build into your life. Maybe you don't have any. Maybe there's some significant things that even right now when I'm talking, you're thinking about those things. The Holy Spirit is bringing those things back into your mind. Well, guess what? If he's brought it back to you today in your mind, do something about it. He hasn't done it just for fun. He's not playing games with us, folks. If the Holy Spirit is reminding you about something he's done, then it's because it's in response to this message right now. So be seeking him. Say, okay, God, thank you for that. What would you like me to do? How can I remember this and your goodness and your faithfulness? What kind of godly reminders can I bring in? Okay, that's point number 11. Last one here, point number 12. Yesterday, today and tomorrow. Joshua chapter 4, verses 17 to 18. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. Often what you need to do is just going to be for a season or just for that moment. What you need to do today might not be what you need to do tomorrow. What you did yesterday might not be what you need to do today. I hope you see the significance of today. Do today what you need to do today. And if tomorrow is the same thing, rinse, repeat, that's great. As long as that's God guiding you and directing you to do that. So this message, the title is tomorrow and today. And as you've probably no doubt seen, the emphasis is on today. Now today, if you already know Jesus, then your tomorrow is assured, as is your eternity. But if today you can't say that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, or maybe he was, but if today you can't say that's true for your life, then today, right now, I'm giving you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. We make it super easy in this church. God will hear your yes. If you're in your heart, you're saying yes to Jesus, then I would encourage you, reach out to him right now and say, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to you today, right now. And if you mean that in your heart, then we want to help you and we want you to actually take action as a result of that. And it's so easy. We've created what we call Yes Text. So if you're in Australia, you just grab your mobile phone and we ask you to text the word yes, Y-E-S. Text the word yes through to this number, 0488-826-392. By doing that, you said yes in your heart. You're texting yes, you're doing something practical, you're texting. And in actual fact, you are texting us here at Metro Church. This is not some AI thing. This is us at Metro Church that you are testing. And we've got some volunteers, some people who serve God in this church, and they will send to you every morning at 7 a.m. a Bible verse and a prayer about how you can pray about that Bible verse. We'll do that free of charge for the next 30 days, and we do not give you details to anybody else. It stays within Metro Church. After 30 days, there are mini-series that you can opt into, similar format again. If any time you wish to withdraw from that and stop, you just send the word stop and you can opt out. Very few people have actually done that. But that's our way of encouraging you to say yes to Jesus and doing that today. Let me pray. Father, I pray for every single person hearing this message in the building, online. Maybe they catch up afterwards. And Lord, as we come to this part of the service, 
If they've said their yes to you, then I pray that you will hear them, which I know you will. And I pray that you will speak to them through your word and help them as they reach out to you, Jesus. Lord, may this be the beginning of the rest of their lives in your kingdom. I thank you for that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you're not in Australia or you don't want to get this help from us via a text message, we can email it to you as well. So the easiest way to do that, head on to this website address, yes.metrochurch.org.au, and it would be a pleasure to do that for you. Now, I mentioned that we are going to be sharing communion today. And so, host team, if you could just start passing those emblems out, please. Um, So as the host team pass those out, just hold on to them um, until... We have sharing from Brother Chris. Come, Chris. days, Christians met sometimes at their own peril. Slaves met with with other Christians and they would take communion in the very early hours of the morning. In the words of St. Paul, he said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the last revelation that we had from the Spirit of God related to the importance of Holy Communion. And I'm perfectly convinced that so many of us in the non-Roman Catholic world, we have missed so much. Because of the shortage of time, we'll need to go quickly this morning, but there are four points I believe the Spirit of God wants you to, to pick up on today. By way of introduction, what's it mean to commune? What's it mean to commune? The word commune is only used once in the New Testament. That's in Luke chapter 24, where two men were leaving Jerusalem and walking to the village of Emmaus. And as they walked, they were speaking together about the death of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus, lovers of Jesus, and they couldn't understand that he was now gone from them. And they spoke together, and it says that they communed together. They were so deeply into what they were doing, they didn't even notice when Jesus came along and started walking and talking with them. That that is what communion is. When you commune with someone, you have an open heart, an open spirit, and your spirit becomes one with them. Now, in the beginning, and the Bible does not say this, but I believe it is, clearly implied 
When Adam was created, he and the Father communed on a constant daily basis. That's why when sin entered through Adam's disobedience, God came to Adam. God came to Adam and he called out and he said, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? You see, the communion was broken. Now, if this tells you nothing else, it should tell you this, that the Father of Heaven has come here today to commune with you on a personal, personal, face-to-face, spirit-to-spirit, heart-to-heart basis. And the Lord Jesus, and we, uh, we, we are following the, uh, the Jewish Passover here, the, the Lord Jesus said, take, this is my body, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. When you receive the body of Christ today, when you take the bread in your hands, remember this, that Jesus was wounded for your transgressions. That's your sins, your personal sins, past, present and future, totally dealt with. He was bruised for your iniquities, that's the inherited ugliness that's come down your family line. You know, in Lamentations chapter 5 and verse 17, Jeremiah the prophet lamented over the the nation of Israel and he said, Our fathers have sinned and we bear their iniquities. Well, you don't. You are free. You are free. By his stripes you are healed. There are people around us today needing healing. I'm praying for Brother Sven. I'm sure you're praying for him and I'm praying you're praying for others. Understand today that healing was purchased as yours. It was yours. And because of this also, I have peace with God. When you receive his body, you receive his resurrected body. You receive resurrection life of Jesus. It's yours. Third thing is, Jesus said, drink my blood of the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. The blood of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. That's a given. In receiving his blood, we have the blood of the eternal sacrifice. This is the blood that he took into the tabernacle of heaven after he had risen from the dead. Our problem as Westerners is we don't understand the concept of covenant. We don't understand that a covenant was a legally, spiritually binding agreement made between two consenting parties. It wasn't entered into lightly. It was not to be reneged. It could not be altered. It could not be forgotten. In the making of a covenant, there were many steps, but the one we'll look at today is this. They took an animal and they split it right down the center. They laid the two parts on the ground and all the blood and everything else was there with it. It wouldn't look nice and it wouldn't smell any better. And the two participants stood back to back inside the two halves of the animal. And then they would walk in a figure of eight. They would start in the center and they'd walk in a figure of eight. What each was saying to the other was this, I am entering into your world, I'm entering into your life, you're entering into my world, you're entering into my life. We are one together. They would stand together between the two animals, having walked in a figure of eight, and they'd raise the right hand, and a deep cut would be made into the wrist of the right hand, and blood would flow. And they would put their hands together, can't do it because of the microphone. They put their hands together and the blood would flow. 
the blood of each man together would flow. Saying, we are one blood, we are one life, we are one together. A black dye was then rubbed into the incision, so when it healed, there was a constant reminder of a covenant relationship. And as they stood together, they would make a declaration and say this, all that I am, all that I have, and everything I seek to be, I give to you. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus did for us. That's exactly what he did for us. But one more thing. I never understood the concept that said, we proclaim. Church of England, we didn't make any noise during communion. It was very quiet, very respectful. How could we proclaim? Job chapter 1 gave me an insight. You see, Job was having a difficult time in his life. He was having a very difficult time. And what he didn't know, that he was a subject of discussion between the father and the father's adversary. There was a fight on for his life. You see, the word proclaim is a Greek word, kata and jello. And it means to proclaim, to disclose, to preach, to speak, to speak out loud. The declaration, you see, was made, it was a reenactment of Jesus' victorious death made to the congregation of the righteous and to the congregation of the wicked. All the sons of God, you read in Job chapter 1, heard. Kata and gallo, it comes from two Greek words put together. Kata means according to, and gallo means good news. It was according to good news. Our declaration into the realm of spirit. Going a little further from the verb angelo, we get the word, the noun, euangelion, which is the word for the gospel. Paul says, I'm not afraid, ashamed of the gospel. He's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word originally meant an actual runner, a runner who came from the battlefront and he would run into the nation and he would declare, the king has been victorious over his enemies. The king's enemy is defeated. The king's enemy is defeated. And when we take communion, we declare, we declare in the realms of heaven that the king's enemy is totally defeated. And victory is ours. Victory is ours. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you today to take with me, take with me these elements. Take and understand as we take our communion, we're taking our place in the eternal realm, showing the kingdom of darkness, the principalities and powers, that the, the, the manifold wisdom of God our Father. Our Father, today, I thank you. I thank you as we come here together that the Lord Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he blessed it, he broke it. And when he had broken it, he gave it to them and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Father. And after supper, Lord, he took the cup. When he blessed that, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. 
and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Let's just drink together. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your presence and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Chris. Wow, very special. Very special. Again, the things we get to appropriate and be thankful for today. Speaking of being thankful today, Mark and Maria. Where's Maria? Come on over here, Maria. These guys have joined us all the way from Bunbury this morning to help lead our worship team. So thank you for the both of you. Great to have you with us uh, again. Let me tell you about a couple of things, church news-wise, that are happening. Uh, Metro Men are kicking off in a big way, beginning of this year, so it's a special men's ministry. That's headed up by Pastor Ray Allen. So to find out more about that and our very soon up-and-coming events, go and see Pastor Ray opposite the Connect Hub. So just as you exit the auditorium, left-hand side there, you'll see Pastor Ray sitting at a table. He's got books and all sorts of stuff there. So make sure you have a chat with him and find out what's happening in regards to men's ministry. And uh, tonight, now if you're familiar with what we normally do on a Sunday, Sunday evening. Tonight would normally be our special Faith, Hope and Love. That's not happening tonight. So there's nothing in the building. There's nothing online tonight. So but you can absolutely join us online anytime you want. And of course, uh, come back next Sunday. Now I'm about to head off down to the studio for ministry time online. So if you'd like to reach out to pray, please do that right now. And I'd love to pray with you. And uh, the team's going to take us out um, leading on a final worship song. But as you leave the auditorium, if you would like prayer in the building, then why don't you go to our prayer space to the right-hand side there as you exit the auditorium down here on Level 3. And uh, Kate Allen and Tony Sobritsky, two powerful women, will be there praying for you. So we've got you covered. got the women, got the men, and we've got the worship team. Thank you, guys.
Thank you, church. And everyone, have a blessed 2024. We'll see you again. We'll see you in the cafe. God bless everyone. Thank you.